0: Welcome, True Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, bad guy misses, good guy connects, and take care, kiddos, see you in 20 to 30. (laughs) That's years, by the way. Yes. Here to provide analysis for those lines and so much more is my friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie?
1: I'm feeling really good. And James B., you sound considerably better. You feeling okay?
0: Yeah, I think I am basically cough-free at
1: this point. Now it's just regular... (laughs) You know, regular voice. So, bonus for the podcast it allows you to bring more focus into the important things you're going to say, right?
0: Yes. It only took us 153 podcasts to have all the microphones working correctly and all the, <laughs> all the podcast hosts not sick.
1: Maybe. We don't know. It's not <laughs> over yet, James <laughs> going might get sick in the middle of this podcast. Oh, the no, cat. No. <laughs> no, I think we're fine.
0: I think we're fine. And uh, we've got. We've got a couple books today. We got some good books, and then we had some lesser books. We're going to try to squeeze them all into one podcast. Uh, Eddie, these first two books are going to take up more of our time than the last two, but we'll see if we can get them all in there. I think we have a chance.
1: Okay, that's the way I like it.
0: All right, well, the first one's from May of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 204, The Black Cat, Always Lands on Her Feet, by Wolfman Pollard, and
1: finished by Pablo Marcus. A high-speed chase and shootout. Is taking place right in the middle of Times Square. With some webbing, Spidey gives a quick tug to the criminal's rear axle, and the car slams into a bevy of vehicles. Unexpectedly, the happiest party witnessing the end of this Farrakis is... The Black Cat. Well, she's not dead, James B. Shocking. Hmm. After snapping photos of Spidey in action, she breaks into the Guggenheim, trips up a guard, and is about to steal a two-lover's statue when Spidey shows up. Another flirtatious fight ensues, and although the cat escapes, she does so without her trophy. Eddie, I asked you recently if
0: the black cat has a bad luck power now the enemies of the black cat are depicted with a cat shadow behind them just before something bad happens to them. Her power includes being able to put a shadow behind them. It really seems like she's got a superpower. I do not like this without an explanation, Eddie.
1: Uh, I like it a lot, and I don't mind having no explanation. The shadow, you know, foreshadowing uh, their bad luck. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Uh, As Peter visits the bugle the next day, he finds Joe Robbie, the editor. But just as Jay Jonah was a cantankerous boss, so now is Joe Robbie. It's like the editor's position is cursed. Peter leaves his office where he meets Randy, Joe's son. Randy thinks something bad has happened to his dad, but gives no further explanation.
0: Eddie, Randy Robertson hasn't done much in this comic since his protesting like a hundred and 30 issues ago, maybe? I mean, cook an egg, cook a goose, turn the demonstrators loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last time we heard from this dude. It's
1: been a while. Well, yeah. yeah. Lots of story to fill in if they want to bring him in. Um, yeah, tell Marv Wolfman, please, to get on that. <laughs> okay, I'll let him know. All right, thanks. Treading the short distance to the globe, Barney Bushkin insists Peter dial down his hot-headedness and work alongside April May. Reflectively walking home, we see Peter ignore his spider sense, uh, putting Peter first. Later, Peter rushes off to go on a blind date set up by Flash, but Peter cancels the date when he realizes that Dawn Star is one of his students. His somnolence is interrupted by a pinging spider sense coming from the Guggenheim. He suits up this time and finds the black cat stealing the same 2 lovers statue as before. But this time her bad luck allows her to get away with booty and tow. Peter complains that Sissy Ironwood is boring. It, it's a
0: rare crossover comment between the Marvel team up and Amazing Spider-Man. I'm sure the listeners if you're listening to our show, you're probably listening to both at this point. Yeah, they don't really hear about Sissy Ironwood ever in The Amazing Spider-Man. I'm kind of glad they did that. Hey, also of note, Eddie, uh Dawn Starr, she's very much into Peter and she's attractive. And she's into science. This is like uh, just kind of unfortunate. It seems for for Peter.
1: Yes, my suspicions were high already. I was like, "What? This, this is so convenient in so many regards." But no, I was I
0: was not. Uh, I had no problem with this. I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, it is. I thought that ah, Flash did a good job, didn't he? <laughs> you know what? Let me let me talk about this in the next book a little bit more because oh. you can wrap up this one here.
1: Okay. In an alley somewhere not far from the bugle, J. Jonah comes to his feet and has amnesia. He is quickly confronted by none other than Jonas Hera, who apparently has a full-time job dr- pulling broken men from alleys. Uh, we return to the black cat, easily grabbing a $1 million ruby at an auction and jumping through a window. <laughs> while an onlooker announces she doesn't want to infer and ruin her Hallstrom, uh, <laughs> the famous designer <laughs> outfit, the cat returns to her apartment where she talks of stealing two final items to complete her goal. This book moved the
0: plot for Joe Robbie, J. Jonah Jameson, and Peter's difficult dating situation. Not too much Spider-Man progression for The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I enjoyed it, though, to be honest. I thought this was a good book. I hope the next one is a
1: good one, too. I, yeah, I really like The Black Cat. James B., let's conclude this story.
0: From June of 1980, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 205 in Love and War, written by David Micheline, pencils by Keith Pollard, and ink by Jim Mooney.
1: Spidey is staking out a museum containing one a one-of-a-kind wax reel of Caruso singing a love aria because he is certain the black cat will strike again. But she doesn't show. The sun is rising, and as Peter arrives at the science department of ESU, he's greeted by dawn. She gives him a mushy smoosh, and suddenly it's not such a bad idea to date your students. What a strong sense of morals young Peter has. I wonder what Uncle Ben would say. Uh, Don and Peter agree to meet up for a picnic. Yeah, at this point, I really like this dilemma
0: about using Don star as like, hey... You know, here's a dilemma. Could you date your student? Or what are you going to do with that? I, I thought this was really a good plot line, but the writers are going to drop this whole story very quickly because apparently this is April May's book and no other woman get to, to be with Peter, unless they're the black cat, I suppose, in some way.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, later that night, as Spidey is swinging about town, uh, his spider sense... ...sends him back to the museum where he finds the black cat with the wax recording Spidey had thought she would steal earlier... She escapes again with her stolen item as Spidey is forced to grab a massive pipe organ to save some guards before it crashes to the ground. Yeah, just a
0: reminder here, the black cat was willing to kill some guards. Spider-Man should take note.
1: No way. It, she knew he was going to save them. Uh, she, she did that to distract Spider-Man.
0: She put them in mortal peril well, yeah. to, to, slow,
1: to slow him down. I, yes, that is true, but there was no intention to kill the guards and every di- intention to distract Spidey here. As, By
0: trying to kill the guards, though. I understand what you're trying to say, but you understand what I'm trying to say? This like, is murder in like the sixth degree, but
1: yeah, I guess you're right. It's a, it's a, I, I, a dangerous do, distraction. All
0: right, and I do right, I do realize that maybe she assumed Spider-Man would
1: have to jump in there and he would get it done. So, okay, yeah. we, I, we both learned a little bit here. <laughs> Well, the next day, Peter volunteers for an unusually dull job at the Globe photographing romantic artifacts at Laszlo Bellflowers. Peter decides to go back to ESU to grade some papers, but as he enters his office, he finds Dawn Starr breaking into his filing cabinet, looking for a copy of her science exam. As the evening begins, we see Felicia Harding at Laszlo's place making a deal to trade her three stolen artifacts for a love letter he owns, written by Paris, uh, to Helen of Troy. Felicia takes the letter from Laszlo at gunpoint, and she reveals herself as the black cat. uh, That was dumb, whatever. uh, And Spidey enters the scene. Yeah,
0: Peter comments here, I guess, to the reader that all the women involved with him now are thieves. Uh, Peter, I bet Sissy Ironwood is not looking quite so boring after all.
1: (laughs) Well, the black cat gives Spidey the slip, but when he finds her back at her apartment, he finds a shrine filled with Spider-Man images. Felicia explains she stole the love-themed artifacts to impress Spidey transferring the love she had for her deceased father to Spider-Man. Spidey promises to get her some help as the book
0: ends. Before you say anything else, this was not an amazing ending for me that all of a sudden she's uh, like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing all this. Cause I, cause I love you. Uh, and he's like, it's okay. Let's just walk away and I'll get you some
1: help. And she's like, okay. I'm like, Whoa. it is that, com- com- you know, that along with the Dawn star dating your student thing, I, I, it was, this was just a weird, like overall kind of, book for women and their relationships with spider-man and peter parker it really does paint the women as evil seductresses here because both felicia and don really use their sex appeal to lure spider-man slash peter parker uh in into whatever they need to get away with uh it's you know although i i I hate i know you're
0: combining these things because it is a book about you know similar things but Dawnstar's plotline is supposed to be, I'm going to try to date Peter to get copies of the science exam. Which, True, self-serving, which, very self-serving. Which could happen in, like, in real life if you're like, oh, my God, I True. can't believe this. Yeah, maybe, right? And then, but the, but the black cat's trying to steal stuff to make Spider-Man fall in love with her. And then she doesn't. She doesn't end the book by being, like, super possessive about it. Like, you must love me. You must love me. He's just like, okay, honey, you're a yeah. wackadoo. Let's get out of here. And she's like, okay. It, like I guess,
1: yeah. The weird thing is, is like, she is very flirtatious and very, like, drawn and flirts in a sexy manner. And the end of this book says it's her father's love that yeah. drove her towards Spidey. And I'm like, wait, is this the father's love? Uh, I thought it was like a, you know, a like we're dating kind of love. The ending was awful. I I agree. I didn't put a comment here that it said
0: I love the second book. I just said I really love the first book. You know, Jonah Harrow, who was in the previous issue 204, he gets people to do stuff for him like J. Jonah Jameson and everybody else without any feminine wiles. Let's see how he does it. This is from July of 1980. Stanley presents Amazing Spider-Man 206, A Method in His Madness, written by Roger Stern, art by John Byrne and Gene Day. Eddie, before we do this, I'm looking at this. Why don't you just do like the whole summary in one shot, and then we'll just discuss it. It's not that long. Yeah.
1: No problem. Uh, Jonas Harrow has Jay Jonah strapped to a machine. He recounts how he bombarded Jay Jonah with Variator beams that gradually increased his anger and eventually drove him to insanity. He continues to do the same to Joe Robbie now, who's in J. Jonah's old office. While visiting the Bugle, Peter runs into the office, only to also lose his temper. He cranks up the Variator machine, and everyone inside the Bugle goes crazy. Peter realizes something in the nearby water tower is affecting the bugle, and as Spidey finds a a variator beam generator inside the water tower and destroys it through the machine, Jonas tells Spidey how closely related they are and challenges him to come find him. Spidey takes the bait in the process of apprehending Jonas and saving J. Jonah. He endangers J. Jonah, who at the end screams accusations at Spidey as he swings away. Nice job with that summary. Thank you. I like that
0: Jonah Harrow is here. Uh, I was unclear what his purpose was with J. Jonah Jameson or why he wanted to battle Spider-Man, but it's kind of always unclear with him. He's always grabbing some randos and off the street and making them into villains. Uh, but this book did feel like a filler in that I think nothing else happened, Eddie, besides this one plot that you described. Sometimes when you give a summary, you leave out little details, but there was really nothing else in the book you could have. I thought you could have plugged this in anywhere except that Joe Robbie had been getting angrier. The, a couple of things before. I, I'm my, my argument is like they're doing this thing and they're like, where can we wedge this in? They're like, all right, we'll jam this in well, here. Just make Joe Robbie angry in the previous issue with you. That's all.
1: I, I think, it, but it does like solve a really long standing issue. Jay Jones has been getting angry, like unreasonably angry, really since Joe Robbie left the Bugle, which was, you know, seven or eight issues ago, and. That's a that's a big plot resolution that takes place right there. And I, although I agree this is like kind of a filler of a book, Jonas Harrow has created the Kangaroo. He made Hammerhead. Uh, he's got a third Will o the wisp too. That yeah, Will o' the Wisps too. And you know I don't think he created those guys necessarily to fight Spider-Man, but to like basically do his bidding. Or he's kind of a mad scientist. He just did it because you know he wanted to see what was hap- what was going to happen when he I, made these guys I, and he's angry they're not around anymore. Spider-Man got rid of all of them. So, well, kind of.
0: I'd like to be in the writers room when someone says, "I have an idea. Let's have Jonah Harrow make Jay Jonah Jameson really angry <laughs> as if he's not already." <laughs> so he so he quits and then we'll then like a year later we'll resolve that Jonah Harrow had been behind this and we'll wrap it up in a single issue. <laughs> nah. Maybe Eddie, I, I feel like this might have been like, a, what are we gonna do with Jonah, J. Jonah running around, and somebody came up with this idea, but you know,
1: I guess so. Well, you know, I I do like how Jonas describes he, he's try in the machine. He's trying to convince him to like do something, and he's like, "You're you're too stubborn to stay crazy." <laughs> and then he also calls him a level-headed publisher too, with the only thing you know leveled is that flat top he loves to wear. So Tom said,
0: "Well." I was concerned that we're not going to be able to fit all these books in, so I actually had in my notes that we should do the sponsor here, even though I think we're doing okay on time. Okay. But we'll we'll stick. Let's do the sponsor. It's weird doing it here, but we'll, yeah, we'll try it (laughs) anyway. Uh, Eddie, you love your children and always want the best for their health like a good dad should, right? Absolutely. Well, Eddie, Dr. Jonas Harrow is a family doctor and rehab specialist licensed in four states. Come see him if you have weak bones and are sick of tiresome physical therapy. We all remember that Dr. Jonah Harrow can also help with weak skulls, weak feet, or weak bladders. He could also help you feel lighter than air. And if you get angry, he can definitely help you with that. It's your one-stop shop for all your ailments. It's Dr. Jonas Harrow, not ABMS certified, only licensed in New York, Indiana, Colorado, Michigan. Calling the Old Night watchman, calling all Old Night Watchmen. You <laughs> might think you get your hearing aid checked somewhere. Where can you go? Look no further than Dr. Jonah Harrow. Jonas Harrow is not ABS certified, but he can take care of your hearing aid. That is not required for that. Discover card not accepted. Consultations available over Zoom. See the ad in Campus Security and Life Safety Magazine. You, already, you said you used him, correct? I think you talked about this often.
1: I, I've used Jonas... I you know, You've know. you used I mean, Jonas Harrow, I, right? I haven't stumbled down a dark alley accidentally and then woken up later with some strange semi-enhanced part of my leg or Wait, something. Wait, I really thought you said
0: you used Jonas Harrow. Did I not hear that right last time?
1: No? I am quite sure I've not used Jonas Harrow, but... All right. I, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I... I do like go to sleep, not in alleys usually, but the guy seems to be looking out for people to, you know, work on. Sounds good. He's
0: looking out for people. That's the kind of doctor I want. (laughs) I'll tell you someone who's not looking out for people, and that's uh, the questionable X-Men villain Mesmero, who appears in the next issue of Spider-Man, and that's from August of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 207, Mesmero's Revenge by Denny O'Neill, James Moody with marcos and jim novak
1: uh peter and deborah whitman are at mesmero's broadway show hold on let me just it's hold a- on, I have
0: to interrupt who who's peter with now deborah whitman no. not not <laughs> sissy ironwood not april may this is not marcy not Don- another crossover from spectacular
1: spider-man not d- yeah
0: well from spectacular the other one sissy's from marvel team up so okay sure yeah deborah whitman uh, all right, please continue. I just want to make the listeners understand we get got yet another woman in his life.
1: They <laughs> can't seem to settle on any of them. Uh, the show is awful. Oh. But during the show, Peter has to stop a fire and Mesmero notices some webbing, so he thinks Spider-Man must be here. He announces he would like to meet Spider-Man after the show to make him a profitable offer. Uh, Peter ditches Deborah, and Mesmero convinces Spider-Man to do his show once a week for $400. It's like for like 15 minutes, too. Yeah, for 15 minutes. On his way home, Spidey reads an awful review of Mesmero's show in The Globe, and when he arrives at The Globe's offices, sees the reviewer walk out in a zombie-like fashion, mentioning something about the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, Not long after, Spidey swings to the Brooklyn Bridge, where he saves the Globe reviewer and earns himself two tickets to the hottest show in town. Exuberant, he swings home to ask Deborah to the show. Uh, He can't go to the show, right? The reviewer would know his identity.
0: Yeah, I didn't think of that, actually, when I read this, but it's a great point. Um, But... If he did go, when the issue is pressed, they would just say, "Oh, Spider Man has a deal with Peter. They split the money for the pictures. He gave me these tickets instead." They, he literally falls back on that all the time, and people are like, "Okay, whatever." It.
1: Right? Well, it's the fallback yeah, forever. whenever they
0: find whenever somebody's like busts into Peter's apartment, it's like, "Hey, that's Spider Man's gloves." He's like, "Yeah, he left them here because, you know, ooh, we have a deal. That he's a lot. I washed his gloves. <laughs> <laughs> split the money with him. Like he." That's why I wear his underwear and his pajamas yeah. and his uniform. And sometimes I act for him. Like he always, they're always like, okay, well, you have a deal with him. Jeez. It's like, by the way, uh, Iron Man, we're, you know, is Tony Suck's bodyguard. Let's let's keep that going for right. th- thirty years of comics. Hmm.
1: Uh, well, before he goes to the big show, he stops by to see Mesmero, who electrocutes Spider Man into unconsciousness. Oh boy, uh, Mesmero bound spidey and uses him as a prop in his next performance hoping to give him a fiery demise but it doesn't go well and spidey bows to applause with the webbed up villain at his feet this spidey gets electrocuted by a like wad of cash that has a metal money clip attached to it and knocks him out. I just—he uh. he is often poor. But, you know. <laughs> he ignores. it. He says he has his spider sense. He goes, I, I, I feel my spider sense, but I don't see any danger around here. I'm like, yo, man, like ignore the spider sense. I guess well, I don't know.
0: Speaking I, to ignore, he ignores Deborah, who's they show her sitting at the sitting at the show, crying. Deborah. He's, she doesn't even have tickets. She's
1: like waiting outside. She can't even go in. Uh, you, you know, with this book too, James B. We know for a fact that Spider-Man's top two weaknesses are gas yes. and hypnosis. And it's true, <laughs> Mesmero, who hypnotizes people. At the beginning of this, like there's 15 panels at the beginning of this book of him uh, with this guy on stage acting like a chicken and trying to juggle these explosive ball things uh i was like when does the hypnotic suggestion to spidey come along it just never did so hey he's no yeah, you know Mesmero's no hypno hustler so let's take it easy here.
0: <laughs> don't get crazy here it's too big time for that eddie i think we fell all these books in but let's uh let's wrap this thing up okay how can people reach us
1: you can email us anytime at let's read at at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at let's read spidey
0: and I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, if you want to defeat Spider-Man, uh, just have a clip full of uh, money and uh, his spider sense won't go off. You can electrocute him and uh, no need to use any gas or hypnosis. Goodbye! Bye. on Harrow was was a good return.
1: I really I, liked that. I was really excited to see him. I like his big goofy glasses and like honestly, he's been he's a long-time character of Spider-Man, but a very shadowy one too. Right. Kangaroo, Hammerhead with a wisp. He's always kind of popping up here and there to do whatever he does. <laughs> exactly. Make people into more powerful people. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Did you see the the, the reverse chill from uh, from Deborah when she's getting on the bus? And he says to her at the beginning, hey, she goes, I hear there's a new Indian restaurant on 44th. And he's like, and I dig buying you dinner, but I have a bone breaker exam in the morning. And then, she, and then she's like, I happen to know he doesn't have an examination tomorrow. He's just getting tired of my company. It's certainly not unusual because she's like, you know, he's like, I'll give you money for the bus. And she's like, don't bother. Icy words.
1: Yeah, you know? it's back. I'm so yeah. happy. I haven't seen that since, like, Liz Allen said do it to him in high school, right? Betty Brant used to do it to him, too. True. Eddie, did you also notice that
0: there was a dude walking around, like, <laughs> trying to, like, sell them something? or? Hey, you want to see, yeah, yeah he's like you want to see something terrible you want to see something awful like I don't, any he, idea he,
1: he asked deborah if she wants something stinky too and she's like go away <laughs> later yeah yeah well, i and, is this a guy is this a thing
0: <laughs> i mean i could look it up and see if like creepo man is as a person in the story but but also it's something that we don't I mean, it's a, it's a filler. It's like, it's probably just one, maybe it's, maybe it's a depiction of somebody who we're supposed to like, no, it's one of those moments where like, this is a joke. Like this is what the, the artist makes the writer look like or something like that. But I don't know.